0: This episode of Pop, Punk, and Pizza is sponsored by indie rock band Unsound Sunday. Their music has been noted to sound reminiscent of bands like Cage the Elephant, The Cure, RX Bandits, and Silver Sun Pickups. Now, on New Year's Eve, Unsound Sunday released their latest EP called Blue Component, and not only is the EP made up with new sounds and a combination of new musical elements, it shows the band is breaking boundaries of the genre. Their collaboration with Tony Trombone of Irration really shows the diversity in the EP. And here's a clip of the title track from that EP. <laughs> clip of Blue Component by Unsound Sunday. You'll hear the song in full at the end of this episode. I'm going out- Into Pop Punk
1: and Pizza with Jacques Lamour.
0: Hey, here we are—the middle of January already. It's been an amazing start to the year so far, and I have you to thank for that. Cannot thank you enough for all the love and support. Quite a few people have signed up for the Pop Punk and Pizza podcast mailing list, and uh, which I'm I'm grateful for that. How could I not be? And uh, it's just a reminder that if you haven't already. <laughs> My dog is chiming in in the background yelling at you for uh, not signing up yet. I'm just kidding. Um, But if you haven't signed up already, make sure you head over to poppunkpizzapod.com and sign up because everyone who subscribes to our mailing list in January is entered into a raffle for a chance to win a hoodie with the Pop Punk and Pizza logo on it. So, And of course, on top of that, you're going to be able to stay up to date on all the new episodes coming out, Special events and so on and so forth. Again, poppunkpizzapod.com to sign up for our mailing list. So, we're changing things up a bit on today's episode. I've had the opportunity to uh, speak with a handful of record label owners recently, and I should say the most recent one was with Cody Jones of Anchor 84 Records. Now, Cody has a really cool story. Uh, We talk about how his love for punk rock began, how he ended up working at the legendary Epitaph Records, and how eventually he started Anchor 84 Records. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Cody Jones of Anchor 84. First of all, great to meet you. Um, Eric, Eric from word of bond had nothing but great things to say about you. I know both of you kind of work closely together. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I assume you, you probably have known each other for years at this point. Yeah.
1: We, um, we met, uh, via email, uh, he was pitching bands to me. And so we've been in contact for, yeah, I would say at least four years or so now. And, um, I've got a few bands on the ro- on the roster that he manages, and uh, yeah, it's been a great relationship so far. He's he's an awesome guy, and uh, I'm also thankful to have him, uh, you know, in my life and working with on music together. And uh, but yeah, and also thank you for having me. I didn't say that yet, but thanks for having me. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to like jump in and not say that, but uh, yeah, no, so of cool course. So well.
0: When uh, when Eric and Vinny from I think that's when. Um, I don't remember exactly actually now that I think about it, I remember actually when Eric suggested you as a guest, but he was like, you know, he's like, I really think Cody would, would make a great guest for you. And I'm like, Like I'm down, I'm always down to talk to, it's, it's interesting. I've, I've been talking to different people from record labels lately and, um, I've really been enjoying that. So, and, um, I think a lot of other people have too, just kind of to get some outside perspective as to, you know, what goes on, um, behind the scenes at a record label, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of like, um, like you said, just different, um, aspects of being behind the scenes in the label and like what we put into it to help artists. And, um, it's funny, like last year, not to like go off on a tangent, but no, year, you're I, good, saw, man. I saw both positive and negative conversations online, uh, regarding labels. And, and, uh, I couldn't help feel, um, you know, like both of them kind of had some valid points, but they're not, it's not everything, not everything everyone says is true, right? Like on both those things. So it's kind of nice to be able to have this opportunity to talk with you more about it and um, and
0: just kind of, yeah, get into the, all the aspects of running a label. It's interesting you bring that up because I recently, and this is actually a different label, it's not even you, um, but you know I, I'm a part of m- many pop punk associated uh, Facebook groups, you know? and uh i saw that a band called i believe it's brooklane uh they they recently signed to we are triumphant and so they they made a post in this pop punk page about uh hey we just signed to we are triumphant records um roast us and so <laughs> um i saw a couple people comment saying uh, you just roasted yourselves. You signed a, we are triumphant. And I'm like, Oh man. Like, did I miss something about we are triumphant? Like it did, you know, did something like that was literally my, my question that I typed. I was like, did I miss, you know, something? Cause yeah, there, y- you can't believe everything that yeah you read. So, it, you know, a person did reply to me and they gave me a, a spiel about, well, they had something going with them and it, you know, it, it wasn't a, a good thing that they said about sure. you know so i mean and and that's the the thing it it's like when you i, I always go back to um like victory records for example um i've had so many people tell me bad things about victory but then there's also been some good stories to come from victory uh you know records as well i mean obviously they're no longer a record label but you know i I guess it's just like anything else it's the good with the bad
1: yeah and um as far as we are triumphant i i've only had brief interactions with greg who runs that so i don't really know too much about about the inside workings of it but um Yeah. With victory too. I've heard all those stories, you know, those were pretty made pretty public and I think it's like twofold, right? I'm sure there was some shady stuff that uh, wasn't in the artist's favor, but then I see some of those bands that were on that roster that had those complaints get super huge and probably wouldn't have that platform. um, Otherwise. And um, uh, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was the punk rock NBA with um, um, I forget his name, but he was in attack attack and he goes by, Bill Murray now. Um yes. And I love I love the music. I think it's amazing. But they kind of touched on this too and you know he was asked like would you have a career today where you were if it wasn't for Rise Records, you know? And um he's like yeah, definitely not. You know, he's like that gave us me the platform and our band the platform to grow and because of that I have an audience to do this project with, you know. Um but yeah, yeah, it's it's there's always going to be back and forth and people are going to be unhappy. i like to think that Ingrid 84 is relatively stayed clean these years. I'm always (laughs) artist friendly. I wasn't an artist myself, you know, playing in bands, um, nothing notable of course, but, um, you know, I wrote it out and toured in the vans and booked all our own shows and pressed our own CDs and stuff. And that's kind of what led me to, um, start a label really eventually. I mean, that's the short story, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but really it was just kind of like, I want to help out and be there for, for bands and, um, try and provide as much as I can for them, you know, and it started from little things I could do to bigger things, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so let's kind of go back to like the start of of getting into independent punk music for you. So like going back to probably your childhood, I assume, or, or sometime yeah. as a teenager, like where did it all start? You talked about playing in bands. What did you play and what were some of the bands you played in?
1: Yeah. Um, I grew up in uh, Northern California, um, just outside uh, Santa Cruz area. So not too far from the Bay area and, um, would drive up there on the weekends to San Francisco to go see shows at slams in the Warfield, And, and warp tour when it was held up there and stuff. And, uh, and it was, it was amazing, man. San Francisco is like one of my favorite places to see shows. Um, um, even maybe over, over LA. Um, but I grew up skateboarding and stuff like that. And really music went hand in hand with that with skateboarding. So I was really big into skateboarding. That's what I wanted to do. Um, would wreck myself every single day, trying, trying new tricks and stuff. And I remember <laughs> us going down to the one local record store we had in town in Salinas and, um, buying whatever new CD came out. And usually it was something somewhat local, you know, like good riddance, um, and AFI. And I remember, uh, although they're not local, I remember one of my buddies buying the system of a down CD. And I don't know, we, you know, it was just somebody, somebody would go buy a new CD. We'd bring the boombox box and like, skate wherever that may be to that. And that's kind of what started, um, as far as like punk rock goes, um, uh, was with skateboarding and going to the local record store and just friends, you know, us sharing music and taking turns buying records, you know, with what little money we had. And, um, eventually I got hurt really bad skateboarding and couldn't really do it, even though I tried to still do it. I just kept getting hurt. Um, so I picked up the guitar and started, teaching myself how to play and then friends would teach me some, some riffs and stuff like that. And, uh, eventually that became a huge passion that re- not replace skateboarding, but replace skateboarding. And the fact that I couldn't skate anymore, you know, so I, I need something else that I could stay busy with. And, um, yeah, I just fell in love with music from that point on. Um, as far as bands I played in, like I said, nothing, nothing big, they were just local, local things and, uh, regional touring. Um, but I played in punk rock bands. Um, my first show ever, we just did all cover songs. So like Blink-182, AFI, Pennywise was a big band that I I was heavily influenced by, um, all that kind of like skate punk stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. and then punk rock kind of got a little boring as far as like playing. I wanted something that was like a little bit more challenging to play and kind of uh, headed in towards like hardcore and metal and stuff like that. Just more riffier stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. It gives people yeah. a little more challenge. I feel like a lot of people headed that direction at a certain point in time, yeah. uh, you know, from guitarists to drummers, you know, they're like, eh, I don't want to play in a pop punk band. I want to play in a, in a metal band. And, and cause I want something more challenging, you know, they felt the other stuff was boring. Yeah. It was, it was
1: fun to play. And then, um, but you know, I just wanted to progress and stuff. And then yeah, hardcore got really big. You know, I remember being introduced to like poison the well and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and that, like, oh, damn, this is crazy! Like, what is this? You know, and <laughs> um, and then we had a really good scene in Salinas um, for a long time, and a lot of those guys that played in bands kind of branched off to do music industry stuff as well, uh, whether it was booking agents or other record labels and things like that. Um, so it was cool, but uh, yeah, eventually I was that guy in the band that um, was kind of organizing everything, the tours. Uh, fronting the money for like cds and merch and stuff like that and uh when the band kind of started losing steam i wanted to keep going and so i moved to los angeles um couldn't find anybody to link up with it was uh, the last or at least the the encounters i i came into contact with were really kind of flaky you know as far as like meeting musicians and it is you know Mm -hmm. um so I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not, not that awesome at playing guitar. It's fine. Like, um, I'll just play for myself and I'll just get more invested in the business side and kind of pursue that and got an internship at Epitaph records that turned into a full-time job and worked there for four years. Um, and then while I was, uh, there, I, that feeling of still wanting to be connected to the underground music. And, um, I think Vinny and Eric actually t- touched on this a little bit in your, the interview with you. Um, mm-hmm. but, I just knew so many awesome bands that were small and developing, but couldn't quite get signed to a label like Epitaph. So I was like, how do I still stay connected with those people and those bands, but not have to play in those bands? So I was like, let's start a record label. Let's do it. A record label for the small guys and let's build them up and bring them up to the next level, you know?
0: Yeah. And so like, how did you get your foot going back to uh, like the start of your, your days at your years at Epitaph, how did you get your foot in the door at Epitaph? Was it a simple like, Oh, I see they're looking for interns. I'm going to, you know, submit my resume or was it like, did you just happen to connect with someone? Yeah. I went to, um,
1: musicians Institute for the business program It was like a six month program. And it was, it was kind of a way for me to like, um, like the four year college wasn't really my path. And, uh, I just needed to get out of town. So that was a good excuse to like go to something that wasn't long term, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, all right. And, you know, it was what it was. And I met a lot of actually more so than the knowledge I gained at the school was just the friendships I made. Um, yeah. So many other people um, doing really cool things now that, um, you know, we were classmates and best friends, you know, um, meeting there. Mm-hmm. But they had a requirement to have an internship as part of the course. And so we had to submit. A list of like three companies that we'd ideally like to work with and or intern with. And Epitaph was one of those for me. I think maybe fearless records was on there and somebody else, I'm not sure. Um, but I got it. I got Epitaph. That was my first choice and I was super lucky. So yeah, th- that's how I got the internship. And it was just like a lot of just helping out, you know, with miscellaneous tasks really, and running errands and doing things like that. But, um, dude, it was, it was a cool time because, we were signing like all the bands like I love listening to or epitaph was signing all the bands I love listening to. Uh, it was like newfound glory. And every time I die and bring me the horizon, um, set your goals, uh, heart sounds, you know, like right at that time, was like all those bands that were, I don't know, just really influential. And, um, yeah, so that's how that started. And then I was working at a grocery store to like pay the bills. And I came to this point where I was like, oh man, I kept asking if there's going to be jobs available at epitaph. I'd love to stay, but there was nothing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to quit and, um, just work at the grocery store because I just need to pay bills. And right at that moment, a guy was leaving in the warehouse, um, that had been there for like 16 years. Oh wow! And So I applied luckily got that job and I was there for a couple months and then moved into a new position within the main office of epitaph and worked there for another three years. Um, yeah, working with all kinds of bands and stuff. And it was kind of cool, uh, stop me at any point if I'm rambling too much, but
0: no, 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 you're, you're completely um, fine. No, you're, you're great. You're, you're doing great. This is awesome cool. stuff. So you walk in, it's your first, do you remember your first day for your internship at Epitaph, like walking yeah. through those doors? What, what, what was that like? It was cool. It's, it's this
1: building in Silver Lake It was an old, like, um, trolley car repair station. So it's got oh. these huge double doors on both. Well, they have the backside doors still there, but the front side mm-hmm. is kind of like blocked off and, you know, bricked over. But yeah. So like, in LA, like all the streetcars would pull in this station, get repaired and push back out. So That's it's so a really, cool. Really neat building. And you would never notice it. there. <clears throat> it's unmarked, you know, it doesn't say epitaph outside.
0: Yeah. Um, well, they probably wouldn't want to draw attention. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, when I was working there, we would get some fans that would try and come through, you know, and mm-hmm. buzz the gate and stuff. And, uh, yeah, my first day, uh, I walked, so I'm walking in this amazing building. I was like, how have I passed this so many times? And, um, they had this really cool desk and it had, a, the desk was like this, a huge, like V8 motor that was like painted purple with Chrome and stuff. And so the desk was like made out of that, you know, like this really cool sculpture. And, you know, they had like, uh, photos of all the bands on the walls and stuff like that as you walk through the hallway and then you, it just kind of opens up into this wide room. So I just remember that feeling of being like. Oh my God, like I'm here in a label that I've been listening to all my youth, you know, and, uh, I can't believe I'm here. And, and like, cool. Now answer the phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quit, quit looking around. Yeah. Get, get to, to work. work.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. Huh? Part,
1: part of the like intern's duties too, was to like go through all the demos, all the CDs, you know, that we would get, like, we would just have like a mailbox full or two mailboxes full that would fill up every single week.
0: Of mm-hmm. demos.
1: And most of it was like pretty bad, but I also some stories. <laughs> um, I found let lives demo in there and, um, I still have it. I gave it to them to the, and I was like, you guys got to check this out. I think this is sick. And, um, they initially passed on it. So I was like, cool. Can I keep the demo? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still have it. That's I awesome. It to, I show it to Jason every once in a while. Um, and then, um, Jake Ground, who runs Pure Noise Records, he okay. was in a band at, one, at that time and he had submitted their demo. So that was kind of cool. I was like, hey man, I got your demo. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I want to pass me along. Um, but there's like a few other ones. I think at that time, they didn't really sign anybody off the demos. I think Our Last Night was like the last band that they, at that time,
2: mm-hmm. that they had signed
1: off of a, a demo and um, everything else was being um, more curated. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was kind of fun. I still, I still kept all those, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way I'm surprised they gave that to- that job to interns, but at the same time I'm not surprised. Just yeah. because it's kind of like going through that initial like grooming process of listening to all those demos, like it can be quite a, like a not to put it the sounds bad, but busy work, you know. Yeah. I I don't mean to like talk talk poorly about any bands that are submitting demos to labels but i mean you got to consider the volume you know yeah we were
1: in buckets and so the staff there's really you know it's not a huge staff i mean there's a good number of people there but they're so busy day to day so we would kind of filter through
0: and if we found something good then pass it on to the
1: higher ups and
0: yeah and then that so it's like You've got the multiple filters, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the if it passes through the intern, then it might get to the, you know, the next person. Yeah. So
1: if anybody <laughs> that submitted a demo between 2010 and 2012, it got listened to. <laughs> um, I wasn't an intern that whole time, but. Um, uh uh-huh. I was an intern for like six months, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I know during that period of time, if you submit a demo, it got to, to you, So Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: it, it's good to know at least during that time. <laughs> you yeah, know, I you don't were, know what they're doing now. Probably all, to them.
1: probably all digital now. Oh, I'm you know? sure
0: it's all emails and yeah. all that. I mean, the most everything is is emails nowadays for the most right. part, you know. So um, so uh, what what are some you know, working your way from, from being an intern and then getting that, um, it was a, was it a, a web, web store position at Epitaph?
1: Yes, yeah, So they, it? um, right at that time, uh, they were trying, Brett was trying to, Brett Grewitz, he was trying to launch a uh, King's Road merch, which is now pretty huge. Um, and at the time when I was in the warehouse, it was just like four of us. Um, and now I think last I heard, I have some friends that work there still, and it's like two warehouses full of people. Um, But they, uh, they were, he was trying to launch that. So they had an opportunity for like web store coordinator, which is kind of like at the time it was like my boss, who was the general manager and then he hired me and then we hired like two more people and that was about it. And, but we, we would coordinate, um, merchandise ideas and designs and, uh, the pre-order packages and, all that stuff with like the, the bands and their managers and things like that. And uh, so we would handle all the back end and then I would um, not only help design and create those concepts, but then um, make sure everything was uploaded and presentable for our web store and maybe mm-hmm. and, and add inventory and reorders and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So did you actually get a chance to work on like some fairly well-known releases at that time from Epitaph yeah, or, Definitely. Uh Let Live. So they ended up signing Let Live and I got
1: to work on some of that, which is great. Um You Found Glory. Uh and then we also worked on like all the anti-records and Hellcat stuff too. So Tom oh, okay. Wade and the Staples and um Dr. Dog and Dude, that's uh, that's and awesome. And then when I was there, uh the the resurgence of um of the descendants. So okay. right when they came back, you know, mm-hmm. from like being on hiatus or whatever for a long time. Uh, so we got to work on all that resurgence and, um, doing all the merch for Descent was amazing. That stuff just flew, you know, out the yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah. All the bad religion stuff, of course, rancid. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that was really fun too. I'm a huge rancid fan. So those guys were always in the office and
0: super nice to everybody, which is great. Um, yeah, man, so much stuff. What were some exchanges that you remember? Uh, between some of these artists if you if you did have any at that time and any memorable exchanges or or just specific memories that stick out in your mind about any of those specific releases
1: oh man um nothing nothing like story worthy i guess but everyone was really cool everyone's really nice and humbled um uh, you know, so it was, it was a great working atmosphere and like, I, I really believe like all the bands were really amazing to work with, you know, uh, at least during my time there, um, Tom Waits, uh, I never got to meet him in person, but he has the most obsessive fans ever. I, I would also have to double <laughs> every once in a while on customer service. If our, our customer service person was out, out for the day or something, I just remember being on hour long phone calls with fans that were in love with him. Seriously, have have dreams about him and these fantasies, and they would tell it all to me, (laughs) you know.
0: Like, um, so you're you're probably like trying to get out of the conversation, right? You're like, "Eh,
1: I I gotta go do this thing, yeah. I'm trying to be nice and to help them, but they're just like, Can you pass along these like, uh, this message to Tom? And I was like, I'll do my
0: best, you know. Like, do you you remember a a story specifically that one of his fans was telling? I mean, I mean, that that is not, I don't want (laughs) to blow him up, yeah, but. But, but no, yeah, they were pretty in love
1: with Tom is all I got to say is like, they were um, infatuated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's common from what I hear throughout his like whole career. I was you know? going to
0: say, I mean, considering Tom Waits is such a, there's no one else like him. There's yeah. no other person, artist in the world that's like yeah. him. And there's not that many, um, there's not that many artists that you can, Say that about them, like I, I can't, I can't think of a person to compare him to. He's just, he's just so yeah. unique, and he's so wild, and he's so different that it doesn't shock me. That you would get yeah. those weird phone calls because, well, let's face it, he's a weird kind of guy. Yeah, you know? he's an
1: interesting, yeah, quirky guy, and um, and yeah, he he attracts his fans. But um, yeah, we had, <laughs> I would say like I don't know, man. I remember um there's a lot of good memories. It was a lot of show memories, just being, being able to be closer to the artists. Cause we were working with them and, uh-huh. um, and talking with those kind of people and just my mind being blown that I'm like talking to them. And I remember, um, when we signed, I was an intern at this point, but like when they were signing, Newfound found glory, Chad was Chad Gilbert was still dating Haley, uh, from Paramore. And so she came with them and I, I got to meet her. And I just remember, I don't know, for some reason that she was really nice. And like, our interaction was brief, but it was just like, I was like, holy crap. Like I can't believe, you know, <laughs> wow. i just wow. Haley Williams, you know, even more so over, even though I was fanboying over newfound at that time too. I was like, Oh my there's, God. Jesus, there's, Jesus, right. You know,
0: there's Haley Williams. Yeah. Like, like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah,
1: shit. And we all had a pizza party, you know, with the whole uh, staff and, and the band, um, later that day. And that was cool. We, they would do like these backyard barbecues with bands and stuff and set up like a little stage every time we'd sign like a new band. And if they were in town, we'd have them play and stuff. And, so that was cool. I just, I'm just happy to have been a part of it. And like, I heard a lot of, when I joined the warehouse team, when I first started, um, I heard about all the crazy stories from like the eighties and nineties, you know, like the, um, Pennywise stories and offspring stories. And, um, you know, when offspring smash album came out, there was selling so many of them that like the warehouse crew back then would have to like sit on pallets of records out on Santa Monica Boulevard, um, at the old wa- warehouse and, um, waiting for the, my truck to come pick them up, you know, cause they didn't have enough room inside, you know, being such a small label, they were at the time, they were just exploding, keeping up with demand and stuff. And, you know, just the wild party stories and stuff that I'm just like envisioning in my mind, you know, like just like the crazy stuff that they did back in the day. And, um, yeah, it was a cool experience, but, um, yeah, being there, um, led me to like, still want to be part of the underground stuff. And so I started in creative four and, um, went with that.
0: So coming from Epitaph and then starting Anchor 84, you were, you were actually still working at Epitaph at that time, right? When this, this came about when Anchor 84 was starting to, to come into play.
1: Yeah. um, So I would, I would work all day and then go home and take a little breather. And then I was, you know, I was single at the time. i got two kids now, but, um, uh, Congratulations. You know, <laughs> yeah. But so it's a little different these days. I worked standard hours, but now, uh, back then I would just go home and then work on anchor Radio four to like one or two in the morning every single day. And I was fine with it. Cause I was, you know, in my early twenties and I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, <laughs> then get up and then go work for the, the, the bigger label, you know, right. so, um, <laughs> Yeah, I started off with, um, a compilation, uh, like digital download compilation. It wasn't a physical CD, um, of like bands that were like on my radar at the time. And two of those bands were second to last who is now crooked teeth and, um, and the story so far, um, cause they, they're both like up in the same area, in Northern California. And so we, we were all like kind of friends back then. And, um. I was like, let me put out this comp and see who pushes it the most, you know, and then I'll kind of like make my first signing based off of that. And it's between those two bands. And, uh, uh, I went with second to last, which is great. Cause Tyson and I still have like a great relationship to stay to this day. But, um, yeah, uh, the source of, far was kind of like that relaxed, kind of like, yeah, man, whatever, you know, kind of thing everyone was still in high school, you know, at the yeah. time. And, uh, so I don't think anyone took music too seriously at the time, but, um, that's what, launched the label my first cd was second to last ep yeah that's pretty sweet
0: that's a (laughs) that's
1: a pretty solid way to start i would say yeah i would would recommend that to anyone thinking about a label it's like do you put out a comp and Mm -hmm. you know like see what happens see if you get any traction see if there's any interest in the bands that you're interested in you know
0: yeah no that's i mean gosh well especially in and you're and i's childhood i mean comps comps were the thing You know, a lot of labels were putting those out. Yeah.
1: All that. That's what got me into Epitaph and fat records and hopeless and uh, even fearless and stuff. And even some of the smaller labels, I I was going through like a box of mine not too long ago. And I found like all these comps from Warp Tour, you know, like all all the different (laughs) labels that were handing them out, you know, and
0: it's just cool. It's cool to look back on that. And that's how I found bands, you know, most of the time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Pop, Punk & Pizza so far with Cody Jones of Anchor 84 Records I wanted to take a minute to tell you a little more about today's sponsor which is Unsound Sunday they're an indie rock band from San Bernardino California that just released a brand new EP on New Year's Eve called Blue Component this EP really showcases how well the band can mix a combination of musical elements and come up with a new sound. Now their music Music has uh, been noted to sound similar to bands like Cage the Elephant and The Cure, Pink Floyd, and even Cigarettes After Sex. Now, Unsound Sunday has even opened for several major acts, such as Miniature Tigers, Snoop Dogg, Cold War Kids, and Capital Cities. You're going to hear Unsound Sunday's song, Blue Component, in full at the end of this episode. Let's go ahead and get back to Cody Jones of... Anchor 84 Records. So when you were starting Anchor 84, what were some of the the things you took away from Epitaph to to put in your hat as you were starting this this new record label? What was one of the like the big things uh you learned from Epitaph that you were able to apply?
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing that sticks out was just being artist friendly. Um regular, you know, came from bad religion and um that, so that was a, a big thing for epitaph was to always be artist friendly and put them first and cater to their needs and help them grow. Um, so that was definitely the big, the big takeaway that, and I remember being at a show standing next to Brett and he was, he was, um, we were watching this band and he's like, what do you notice? And I was like, oh, you know, this and this. And he's like, check out the drummer. He's like, always, <laughs> always look to the drummer when you're watching a live band. Cause they're like the backbone and the steady It's like, the guitars and no, no, just on the other band members. But like, it was kind of true. Like if you have a good drummer, even if the other guys are like also good, that'll like really solidify that band. Um, the drummer really brings a lot to the table. And then from that point on, I've kind of noticed like the band's really good, but the drummer's okay. You know, or something like, and you can really tell after you watch a lot and, so those two things, artist friendly. And then if I'm watching a live band, watch the drummer. So.
0: <laughs> that's so true. That's not the first time I've heard that. I've, I've heard that multiple times, but it's, oh, it, yeah. it's cool to hear that there's, a, there's a legend in the punk rock scene that feels that way too. You know, yeah. um, I would say that's totally mm-hmm. true. I don't, I don't know what it is about like, even though the the drummer is not the front man there is something just, I guess it's just because they lay the foundation, right. They've got the beat, they've got the, you know, they got to keep tempo and, um,
1: and you really notice it when you see a drummer that's just going wild on the drums and that there's like that power behind it, but everything's like hitting on time perfectly. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've been blessed to like work with a few amazing drummers or quite a few amazing drummers, uh, with anchor 84 and, uh, yeah man it's like they'll always stick out in my mind forever.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, I I always um I always love watching drummers play at shows and now talking about it makes me miss the live shows. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know? yeah, totally.
0: It's just um who knows when they're going to come back. Um hopefully sooner rather than later. I know, hopefully. Um you were talking about um being artist friendly and I guess that goes well into the, the next thing that I was going to ask you about or just just talk about. I was really surprised to see going to Anchor84's website and, and going to like the section about submitting your demo. Um, hmm. it, uh, it says, please avoid having a third party, you know, for example, manager friend friendager um yeah and and so on to send us your demo it says we like it or, or <laughs> we will like it or hate it just as much if you send it to us personally and then yeah. it further goes along saying um we would rather hear from you and not from someone else and i thought that to be kind of uh interesting i feel like that's something you don't see too often like please don't send your manager like Send us. And of course it says, unless you're a fucking huge band, don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't send your, your manager. We want to hear from you directly.
1: Yeah. Um, and no diss on managers, because obviously like Eric is a huge homie and, and I have dance uh, on the roster now from, from him. Um, but I guess that kind of, that section, I kind of came about, um, when I signed grayscale, um, I put out their first EP and their first full, full length and th- they, um, they had a manager at that time, um, that had sent me a cold demo through the, my demo portal not even to my, my direct email. And I remember long story short, you know, after they parted ways with him, um, that was like, Hey, you guys, you could have just sent me the music yourself. You didn't need a manager to, you know, to, to do that. Like. I think your music's awesome. And like, I, I would have picked it up without him, you know, he, uh, he didn't really bring much to the table and that's why the band parted ways. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like that moment where it was kind of like, he didn't do anything special. He didn't have my direct contact, you know, the band could have easily done that and saved themselves some money or time or whatever, you know? And, um, yeah. So like, I'm always down, like, I, <laughs> I don't get to, um, I don't get to the demos as much as I'd like to, but I do get to all of them. And I try when I do like a a demo listening spree, try and reply to like everybody, Um, whether it's a a yes, no more info or not looking, you know, type of thing just because I remember sending demos and like when I was in bands and never hearing back. And I know that's the case with a lot of other bands still to this day. Like they just never hear back. So even if I'm late getting back to you, just know that I'll listen to it and I will reply. Um, but you also don't need, I think a lot of bands think that they need representation to get a hold of a label and you don't, you know, you just have to have good music and be working hard at your band and I'll I'll check it out. I will do the digging and find out if you're putting in the work or not, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always had that, um, rule or that, thought in my mind that you have to have good representation in order to land, you know, your, your first record deal or, or, whatever it is. And that's, you know, that's just not the, the case, uh, as I've come to learn from doing this podcast and and talking to people like you. Yeah. You know? yeah and I've got
1: friends that work at Hopeless and Fearless and Epitaph, you know, and all those places. And, um, and yeah, definitely. I think if, you have uh, a manager that's well-known and works with other bands that are on that level and they have the direct contact with A&R, like it could help, you know, for them to like directly pitch your band, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get signed because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You could have just as good a chance being unsigned and submitting your awesome music to the label. You know, they know what they're looking for and they they see it come through. So, yeah. uh, you know.
0: And I know every label is, is, I mean, there sure there's generally like they look for about the same things, but, um, it's not always that case. So in in your case with anchor 84, what exactly are you looking for when it comes to a band pitching themselves to you via demos or or whatever it may be?
1: Yeah, good question. So obviously first things first, I listened to the music and Um, if I like it enough, I'll reach out and I I do a lot of digging. Like I said, I I'll go on all their socials. I'll even like watch them for a few weeks and see if they're what's new and how active they are. Um, you know, pre COVID, you know, like if they're like playing lots of shows, where are they playing shows? Is it the same venue that they're playing every weekend or are they getting out there and expanding, you know, um, but yeah, I look for the music. I look to see how active they are, and like I said, I'll I'll be watching you know on socials and stuff um, for that kind of thing. I look at I do look at play count and stuff just out of curiosity, but it doesn't determine whether I'll work with the band or not. But it's you know it's a curiosity, so I want to see how they're doing on streaming and on YouTube just as a reference, because um, obviously if someone's really struggling, then maybe there's still more work that they need to do before they get signed to a label. Um, and then I'll reach out and try and create a conversation if I'm interested and get a feel for the people. Like, are the people good? Are they co- like good humans? You know, um, are they positive in their outlook? Are they doing good things in their community? You know, like, are they good representation for themselves and for anchor? Um, cause. Uh, I run Anchor for all by myself. Like I don't have any partners. I don't have any investment. Um, it's just me. Um, and I did that on purpose. Um, because over the years, you know, I've worked with other partners and just didn't work. And then this way, like I get to pick and choose everybody that I get to, I work with, I don't want to work with jerks, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, or anybody that's trying to be like, um, you know, self-absorbed rock star. like, you know, if you want to be a rockstar, cool. Like maybe I can help you get there, but let's be good people doing that getting there, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's a huge thing for me. Like if this is my time, man, like I said, I've got a family. Um, so I put in so many hours and dedication to these bands that if I'm going to go that mile for you, the, those extra miles for you, like you should be a good person, you know? Um, that's huge.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. Cause I mean, it's almost like, um, a, a job, um, interview where you're, you're looking to get hired. And they're not gonna you're not gonna sign someone if you're like, oh, I don't like all that uh political stuff he's posting on his Facebook or or whatever yeah, right it, it might be. Like you're you're obviously that's gonna be a, a turnoff. You're gonna be like, no, thank you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just like
1: in how they're and you know, this year you may have seen it too. There was like a lot of bands that got called out um for all the shitty stuff that they've been doing over the years. And I'm kind of happy about it because I've known about a few of those. And I'm just like happy that I don't have anyone on my roster that way. You know, Mm -hmm. like, like I talk to them all too. I talk to them all upfront. We get, we get deep behind the scenes, you know, we're friends. Um, we become friends and, you know, I know about their day to day and their lives and their struggles and they know about mine, you know, and, um, that's something we can share and be open about. And so I'm just happy to know that, um, I do have good people on my roster, you know? So do you have a won't uh won't get called out online for being <laughs> shitheads, you know? Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> um yeah, I was I was sad to to uh kind of see the uh the sleep on it thing unravel um, you know, uh last yeah, year. I won't go into it, but that was one of the bands we had
1: uh issues with um too. Yeah.
0: Were were they trying to work with you?
1: No, no, no. Um, just, we had bad encounters with them and their management. I see. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, we, but... I, I don't, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to go into yeah. it. I mean, it's obviously it's, no, but it's it was
1: crazy seeing all those stories. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how they responded to us too. When we brought up issues, you know, mm-hmm. that we had going on with them. And, uh, um, yeah, it was crazy to see that other people were sharing the same exact kind of stories and things that were being said and conversations that happened and, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to obviously put it go into that too deep, you know. But No,
0: uh, and like I don't bring it yeah, up I to mean, be like, I won't, Oh, I won't be afraid sc- to say it though. That was one of the bands. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Know. I mean I don't bring it up to be like, oh fuck yeah. those guys or anything um yeah, like no, that no, because that. it just made me sad because I I really like sleep on it. They put out some great music and mm-hmm. it was it's just sad to see those those situations, you know. And I mean we all make mistakes. That's the thing. We we all that um the these uh, situations un- unfortunately happen and um it's uh it's sad sad to see it and um, yeah
1: and I think like sometimes too like in their case like it from what kind of came out it wasn't just one situation it was one that broke the camel's back but mm-hmm. like it looked like there was a lot more being shared from years and stuff and so that's the thing man it's just like um I don't know I don't know um, I just mean like. I don't think you need to hide things in order to advance your band you know um if and i'll be honest like do like i pitch my bands for management and booking and tours and festivals and things like that and we get told no a lot but i'm not going to sacrifice integrity for a spot you know on these things if they don't like us cool we'll just keep working harder and keep going you know
2: and
1: it'll happen you know you just got yeah quick. but but like kind of like turning your eye to th- you're back to things is not the way to handle with situations. You need to confront them on up front. Unfortunately, that's part of being an adult. You know, it's like it's uncomfortable, but um, you have to deal with
0: situations as they arise. Otherwise, they will come back to bite yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely yeah. learned that too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I hear you, man. Um, So, is that something you? <laughs> do you have that question with with bands that you're um, just about to sign? Be like now is there anything I need to know about? Did you kill <laughs> anybody? Know, <laughs> <Did> like, you,
1: <laughs> I've known like in, even before all this, this year, like in the past of friends that run record labels, and they've run into the, you know, they've had some really breakout artists that had that their past came back to haunt them. I and mean, there's really no way for a record label to know all of this, you mm-hmm. know, uh, someone's yeah. whole life history before you like sign them. Um, but I do try and ask a few questions and dig a little bit just to kind of get, a better understanding, uh, without, without, um, you know, crossing that line of like comfortability with them too. Cause obviously when I'm signing a band, we don't know each other super well yet, you know? So I don't want to be like that pushy kind of person, like tell me everything about your life, you know, <laughs> but, but I'll ask a few questions, you know, like just to yeah. kind of get a better feel and like see if it aligns with like my outlook on life and, um, you know, for a good match, you know, and usually it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, and a lot, I'm sure...
0: there's a lot more um, good humans out there than there are bad. I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. definitely, and and that's something that um, I always try to push out there is that yeah, you you see a lot of of uh, negativity, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. There, there's yeah. so much more good in the world than there is bad, totally. and it, and you're not always going to hear about it. You know, so yeah, I mean, you you just got to have that faith. Yeah,
1: totally, man. And, um, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, most people have a good outlook and I think I'm really impressed by the the younger generation, like not like the younger generation, but you know I mean? Like the kids that are like developing their bands now and coming up. Um, I think there's a lot of positivity in, in all the music scenes and, um, they're really showing true and like that they have, um, respect for each other, you know, um, within the community of fans and
0: bands alike, you know? So, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like I've seen more um, genres supporting genres, you know, um, and uh, it's great to see that. So yeah. it it's it's really refreshing to uh, yeah. to see that. Um, so getting back to like Anchor 84, uh, when when a band is like submitting themselves, what is something um, that. It really helps to get a band in the door when they're sending you information like are EPKs still a valuable thing in this world? You know, things mm-hmm. like that.
1: No, I don't think EPKs are um a valuable thing and um I don't think they're a waste of time. I'll look at it, but um like Dear Youth is a band that's on our roster. And they, yes, they actually they're sent really me. good. Oh thank you. Yeah man check out their new album, Heirloom. Anyone that's listening, it's incredible. Um but they sent me like a really polished, like kind of EPK. And, um, I'll be honest, like that did blow my mind. They had everything ready. Like the artwork, the, um, the branding, the songs, you know, were there the, They even had like one finished music video at the time. So they sent me this like complete package. That was like a no brainer for me. I was just like in love the minute I saw it. And, um, the music was there though. You know what I mean? The music was there. If the music sucked, I, I would have passed, but, everything was just there. And they are like, Hey, we have this ready to go. Do you want to work together? I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Um, but to get back to your question, like, I don't think EPKs are necessary unless you did like an incredible job with it. But if you're just kind of like putting all your general info in there, it's not needed for me. Just kind of like show me that you're familiar with my record label. Cause I'll get a lot of like, you know, copy and paste, um, submissions, you know, and it's obvious and, uh, (laughs) we've all done it, you know, but, um, but I can tell. And I, I just rather like know that you, you did some research and you like know about the label and the bands that I'm working with. And, um, and then send me just links, send me links to your music and to your uh, social pages and I can find
0: the rest. But, um, you know, um, that's really all I need. Okay. I just wasn't sure like, cause I know like for me and of course this is different, this is for media, but like for yeah. me, I really love a good EPK, you know, cause it gives me everything I need, you know, sure. but I mean, that's, that's completely different. That's why I was curious, like with a record label, especially like this day and age, like, is it super important anymore? You know? So.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think so. And then when I send stuff to like, um, like larger companies or things like on behalf of my artists and things that we're trying to do in management and booking, like I'll try and keep it brief. Also keep, cause you know, everyone is really busy. And, um, unless you have something super important to say, like if you, like, I don't know, accomplished some amazing goals, like you tour all of Warp tour or, you know, w- did a full run with like a big band or something. But if you played a one-off show, like I'm like, that's cool. But like, it's not, you know, newsworthy. Um, So even when I'm pitching stuff to you, I'll try and keep it short and just get straight to the gist of what I'm trying to contact somebody about. And if I have something really amazing to tell them, I'll, I'll throw it in there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you can give me a description of like your band and what you've done, but if, if you know, you're just getting started and you really haven't played any shows, like, um, you know, just keep the message brief.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure it always helps when a band like, um, you know, a band like dear youth, they've got like everything, everything ready, to go. ready to go, you know, d- d- I'm assuming they had their record recorded already or their EP. Yeah. And then oh, their um, EP. Yeah. And, and so,
1: yeah, I've got different tiers of like how I sign bands and stuff, but like for, for that EP, you know, I'll license it from them. And then, then if it does well, or if we have a good working relationship and things are progressing, then we'll go full on and um, then anchor 84 will support them on the next record fully. So that's what we did with heirloom. and went
0: big on it. And, uh, we're all really proud of how that record came out. Yeah. I was just listening to it, um, before we went on and I was like, wow, this is super good. I had heard, um, it must've been the EP before that. And I, I hadn't listened to heirloom yet and I was really impressed with it. Cool. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Thanks for checking it out. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, um, it's really awesome. And, um, we still have more legs on that record to go. Um, we've been releasing these like acoustic videos that they filmed on the rooftop of the singer's uh, apartment building. And it's got these cool drone shots and like golden hour sunset, you know, they're from Montreal, Canada. So it has like really cool view. And, um, so we have one more, one more acoustic session to release coming, but we, there's two out now on YouTube and Facebook and, um, um, yeah, just lots of cool stuff. And, um, yeah got a ton more releases coming too. i'm just really proud of alone i walked their small developing band that eric brought to me in um a couple of years ago and the demos were like really rough that's the other thing too is like if you're a good songwriter like i got those demos and even they talk about it and they're like oh man i can't believe you signed us off of these and i was like but dude i could hear the potential you know and that was the same with grayscale they, their first ep was really good but i knew they were going to get better i could just hear it you know and, uh, and they did and uh um and Alona Walk is making those same steps, and so is uh Real Talk, who's another band that kind of had some rough, rough starts. But we have a really amazing EP on the way this year. And um, same with Big Smile too is another band that Eric brought to me.
0: I just talked to them the other day uh cool. for an episode. So um that, that's coming out here soon. And it was so uh it was so strange reconnecting with Scooter because it turns out him and I did some uh, like some show exchanges back in the day with our old bands, like seven or eight years ago. Oh, <laughs> like wow. We, we, yeah, we were in different bands because uh, I'm in Illinois, you know, he's in Ohio. And so we were, you know, trying to swap Tour dates, you know, yeah. and um, it turns out, we, you know, like we had been Facebook friends for years, and and that's you know we swapped some shows back in the day. It was oh it was, nice, so, yeah, yeah, he's awesome,
1: man. I like these yeah. guys a lot, um, so I'm really happy to be working with them. We have a new single for them uh, called Bible Belt that's coming out on the 22nd. Yeah, yes, Keith.
0: and um, that single is just it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, I got to, you know, Eric sent it to me and I really think that's gonna make a, a, a big impact for them and, and kind of make them stand out because it's, it's just powerful material. I feel cool. like,
1: yeah, I think so too. And same with killdozer. The the first thing we we released, you know, they're talking about, uh, pharmaceutical companies and, you know, the effects of like prescription drugs and things. So their messaging is like, you know, we kind of talked about like bands being political and stuff, but like, I think if there's a positive message attached to it, that's what's important, you know, rather than like kind of like going the negative route, but, um, um, there's negative tones to it, you know, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, I think they've got something really great to say and all of their songs kind of reflect that. Um, so we've got three more tracks from them. And one of them being Bible belt coming, there'll be like a a visual to accompany that. And, hopefully we have a whole bunch of like
0: rad content we've been working on together. So yeah, really excited to, to roll that out with them. Awesome, man. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. What are some of the other ones you're like most excited about uh, besides big smile? I know yeah, you talked it, about it, alone. I walk.
1: Yeah. Alone. I walk, um, slow trip is like a grungy rock band from LA. Uh, all guys from like hardcore bands, but now play this kind of like, yeah, grunge rock. Um, uh, dudes from the greenery and, uh, Martin from no bragging rights was the drummer in the band. He's, he's moved on, but he's one of those really good drummers I was talking about. Um, tank from riding out, he's in the band and, uh, Dan Mayo, who was in the greenery, he's in that band too. Um, but, uh, they're really cool. And they have a bunch of new tunes coming out that they've been working on. Um, this band called church girls from, uh, Philadelphia. I I was listening to
0: them too today.
1: Yeah, they're cool. They're very different from anything else on the roster. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, I have and like an
0: indie kind of emo, indie punk, post punk. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you want to call it, but March I, punk, I yeah. got it, an indie kind of an indie post punk. Yeah, I guess that like if would be like more. Like you like
1: Origami Angel and stuff like that. Like you like Church Girls, um, Prince Daddy and the Hyena. That that kind of like realm of music. You like Church Girls, and I helped them put out their record, The Hot, at the beginning of last year. Um, And they're a big touring band. They're really amazing. Um, they actually were one of the fortunate bands that got to tour January and February before their tour was ending right as the pandemic hit. Oh man. Um, so they actually got some road time in, which is great. They did like audio tree and then they were supposed to do South by, and that was like the end of their like tour. And then, uh, that, that was the first festival to get canceled. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but they spent a lot of time this year writing and recording new music. Uh, I have yet to hear it, but I know they're just waiting on first mixes. So I'm um, excited for them too. They're just a great band. Um, yeah. Real Talk uh, has a four song EP and we have all the assets ready to go. So we're like plotting out the timeline of that. Um, I signed a new band. We haven't announced it. That's from uh, LA area. And so I'm really excited to be working with somebody that's local. Uh, I haven't had a lot of California bands lately. Um, who else? Um, Southpaw was a really rad band. You should check them out. Um, they're kind of on the download right now, but we put out a really cool record called white lighter myth about a year or so ago. And it's just an incredible record. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I keep my roster nice and tight. You know, like I said, it's just, it's just me running <laughs> the sure. label. So right. I want to make sure that I can like give everyone enough time and focus mm-hmm. and not have their projects get dropped by the wayside. Cause I know how it is, man. Like you have one shot at getting your music out there. And so they're entrusting me to help put out this music and make it the best it can be. And so I want to do right by them. And, you know, um, I wish I could sign a lot more bands, but I just don't have
0: that manpower. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know, power to you, man. I'm sure you'll get there one day Also, it's not about
1: like quantity, you know, for me, it's like, Mm
0: -hmm. can I make, take
1: somebody like grayscale and do youth and, and take them from those beginning points. And bring them up, uh, you know, yeah. and On I can't do next. that if I have like 30 artists, you know, <laughs> no, um, heck, heck no. <laughs> yeah. somebody's no going to get left behind, you know? Yeah, so I want to yeah. make sure I can try and give that effort to everybody and try and bring them up. If, it, if, you know, we can do it together and, mm-hmm. you know, we've had some good bands in the past too, like heart to heart and we dream and stuff that like did really well, mm-hmm. um, you know, alongside Grayscale. So awesome, yeah. man.
0: Is that your inventory behind you or yeah, is this a- my, my garage? I tried to get it we moved out here to this new
1: place about a year ago. And so I, it's kind of still in process, but mm-hmm. some of the stuff I have on hand, there's an, a Pennywise epitaph board in the back for my days working there. Oh, nice. You're talking about the surfboard, uh, right? Yeah, dude. Uh, when I worked there, like I said, I came in at the tail end of like those kind of bands, Pennywise offspring, rancid and yeah, there was yeah. so much cool, cool promo gear in the warehouse. I was just sitting there. So like, I was able to grab a few things, um, That's with so approval. Cool with approval of course oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> grab a few things and take them uh, they have like three surfboards left over um some cool skate decks and stuff and um and then just tons of records and cassette cassettes from back in the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've got we've got a nice little collection
0: nice dude <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so cool yeah awesome well um anything, uh, anything else, Cody, before we wrap up? I mean, this has been a lot of fun, man. I, I hope, I hope you've enjoyed yourselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. And, um, um, there's always so much to talk about, but yeah, there yeah, is. I, I say, mean, we could
0: go on forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would say, um, go to anchor 84.com all spelled out. That's going to be your best resource. And then I'm active on Instagram quite a bit. Um, at anchor84, and you can keep up to date with like, I've got links to all the bands on both those pages. um, So you can find that. Um, Be on the lookout for New Big Smile, uh, Real Talk, um, Slow Trip, Church Girls, all the bands have new music basically coming out this year and we'll continue pushing Dear Youth as well. Um, And yeah, and one thing we didn't get to talk about, but all these bands out here, if you're listening, don't be afraid to record yourself remotely. And get those tracks out there. Don't be sitting at home during the pandemic, being like, I can't get to the studio and stuff. Alone I walk is one of those bands where they're doing they're recording themselves at home and we're sending it out to Scott Goodrich, our buddy who's an engineer and mixing and mastering everything remotely. And it's turning out great. You know, so put some time in, learn how to use your your programs and your tools and and stay active, man.
0: That's stay a great active. message. I've I've talked to a few that have been kind of you know, reluctant, but I feel like most bands are adapting to the whole remote thing because obviously you can't sit around forever and do nothing. As, yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, recording music and releasing the music is like one of the only things you can do mm-hmm. at this point. So, I mean, yeah, I would just say is stay active, you know, some bands can get to studios and
1: that's great, but most bands can't right now, or I've noticed that rates for engineers have gone up, you know, Oh, sure. Sure. Right, you know, since the pandemic, so it's like now, if you could get to a studio, you can't afford it, mm-hmm. um so yeah, invest in yourself, you know, I'm a yep. big you know advocate of that, invest in yourself, and it'll you'll get the return for sure, um one way or another, you know, and uh, just keep putting out music so that you're not
0: sitting idle, okay, great, great advice, man yeah, that's yeah. uh that's always a, a good way to be, yeah, so. definitely.
1: gotta keep pushing for it, man, don't look back. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, exactly. You can't beat yourself up. You know, you just got to keep going. Cool. Awesome. Cody. Well, uh, have a great rest of the day, man. And, and, um, I hope, hope we can chat again another time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you and get to know you and, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to stay in touch.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. Happy, happy to support Anchor 84. Cool. Thank you. What a cool dude. You know, I really enjoyed that. Such a nice guy. Thank you to Cody Jones of Anchor 84 Records for talking with me today. And, of course, also to Eric of Word is Bond for setting up that interview. Very grateful for you, Eric. If you want to check out all the incredible bands on the Anchor 84 roster, hit up anchor84.com. And just so you know... 84 is spelt out all the way it's actually not the number 84 it's the words 80 and then four today's episode has been sponsored by indie rock band unsound sunday and their latest ep blue component here's the title track from that ep now
2: i know i gave my life away and i can't see Something.
0: Today's sponsor, Unsound Sunday, with the title track from their new EP, Blue Component, which is now available everywhere online. Follow the band on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Unsound Sunday. That closes out Pop Punk and Pizza for today. I'm Jacques Lamore. I hope you had just as much fun as I did. Thank you for always being here. Now, if you haven't already, I encourage you to catch up on previous episodes at poppunkpizzapod.com or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button as well and drop a positive review for me. It literally costs nothing but just a little minute of your time. So make sure you sign up for our email list this month as well because everyone who signs up in the month of January is going to be entered for a chance to win a nice warm hoodie with the Pop Punk and Pizza logo on it. And you can sign up for that at poppunkpizzapod.com PizzaPod.com. you can also find out how your band business or event can sponsor an episode of the podcast as well uh, once again poppunkpizzapod.com for all that stuff our socials are uh, at the same pretty much the same as our website Pop Punk Pizza pod for facebook twitter and instagram give us a follow and I'll be sure to follow you back. Now, the next episode coming your way is going to be in just a few days, this Thursday, January 21st, with Canadian punk rock band, The Discarded. And uh, this band is unique because all the members are related. It's a father and two sons. Now, how cool is that? That's something you don't hear of too often, I feel like, in punk rock. So I think you're really going to uh, enjoy that episode. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. You know just think we're one day closer to spring. I'll talk to you in a few days. Take care. Hey
2: hello it's nice to meet you. Hey come in and have a slice of pizza.